Good morning, Calvary. How are y'all doing this morning? Good? Good. Well, I send you uh, greetings from the Windy City of Chicago. My name is Pastor John Kelly. I'm the senior pastor of Chicago West Bible Church. And uh, so I just send you a big hello and big hug from your family out in Chi-Town. And, uh, but I, I found out this weekend that you're just as cold as we are. And so, yeah, I was leaving there. It was like, where are you going? I was like, oh, I'm going to Lafayette. I was like, yeah, probably warmer there. And then I got there and it was like, no, no. So we're all suffering over here for the Lord. Praise God. But um, no, it's good. It's been, it's been good to be able to connect with Pastor Daniel and the team here and um, getting to know them over the past year. And so uh, by God's grace, we've been able to work out a partnership where, um, you know, we're looking forward to helping you reach the community around here and you guys helping us to reach Chicago. And so we'll be praying about 2018. We're excited about that. I love the family of God, right? It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, what your skin color is, if you're in Lafayette or Chicago, we're all family in Christ, right? Isn't that a beautiful thing? One person clap. Thank you. Thank you for the one person. Yeah, we could clap for that. Hey, I'm a black preacher from Chicago. You could say amen. You could talk to me. We could, you know what I mean? I don't know what y'all do every weekend, but it's all good this weekend, okay? Good, good, good. Well, um, this is, you know, it's 2018. It's a new year, new season, and um, this is the time where everybody is like, all right, well, I'm going to start doing this. I'm going I'm to get in the gym. I'm going to lose some weight, or I'm going to bulk up and gain some weight, or I'm going to stop eating this. I'm going to do Whole30, or I'm going to do whatever, and lay off of social media for a month, or this is just the time where everybody is focused on what they're going to do. And uh, there's new priorities. I'm going to call my family more. I'm going to do this and do that. And uh, I don't know what everyone in here is thinking about what needs to change for going into 2018, but there's one thing we all have in common, and uh, what we all have in common is this. We all follow people or things. We're all followers by default. We follow people on social media, on Instagram, Facebook. We follow diet plans. We follow the news. We follow a lot of different things. We get advice from people. We get advice from family members. We have people we text. What should I do about that? We, we look to people to guide us at times. And the question that we have to think about this morning is, even as we start out a new year, is um, who will we be following in 2018? The question is not, if we will follow someone, it's who will we be following? Will it be grandma? Will it be this person? Will it be that person? Will it be my dreams, my career? And here's what I want to submit to you this morning. All those things are great and at times needed, but none of it matters if you're not following Jesus. And I don't know if maybe you don't know Christ and maybe today is a day where you need to follow Christ and maybe you've been walking with the Lord for years and you just need to keep your eyes on him, but more important than you simply just losing weight or gaining weight or laying off social media or cutting back on this or getting better at your spending habits, what matters the most for you in 2018 is if you choose to follow Jesus. Most important question to be answered today. And Jesus is concerned about this as well. The passage we're going to end up looking at this morning, Jesus ends up talking to a group of people about this very important topic of him being the good shepherd and why it's so important to follow him and not everybody else. And so the title of this morning's message is the most important decision of 2018. Most important decision for you. If I could look at all of you eye to eye, face to face, I would say, hey, my dear sister, the most important decision for 2018 is will you keep your eyes on Christ? And if I could look at some of my brothers here, I would say, look, bro, the most important decision for you for 2018 is Will you keep your eyes on Christ? And, and in spite of all the drama going on, in spite of what happened on Thanksgiving or 
what's going on with your family or what's happening with your siblings or what the doctor is saying, the most important decision you have to make right now before you leave this room today is, will I keep my eyes on Jesus? Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? Lord, we sit here as um, real people with real problems. This isn't some reality TV series, Lord. This is real life, and we all have issues, and we all have things that we're praying about and things we want to see you do, and we all have bills and health concerns and things going on with the kids and relational things and pain and all these different things, Lord, that's going on in our lives, the good, bad, and the ugly, and we, we so desperately need you. And so I pray that, Lord, no one would leave this room today without their hearts and their minds focused on Jesus Christ. And I trust that in this time right now, Lord, you will speak to us through your word. May our hearts be sensitive and tender. May our minds be open to hear a word from you today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, if you could turn with me to the Gospel of John chapter 10. John chapter 10. And uh, we often say in our church, if you don't have a physical copy of your Bible like this, cell phones is good. And so if you've got a cell phone app or Google, please just turn with me to John chapter 10. And let me just give you a backdrop of, um, of what's going on here. So Jesus has just healed a man who was born blind. And um, everybody's going crazy. Can you imagine if that happened, right? Everybody knew him since he was a little kid. And a lot of religious leaders are there. And Jesus has this conversation about what it means to follow him in comparison to everybody else. And he explains it through this illustration of a shepherd with his sheep. And so he points out three things here that I think is important for us to know if we're going to make the decision to follow Jesus and keep our eyes on him in light of everything that's going on in our lives. The first thing he points out here is that there's a battle going on. There's a battle going on. Look with me in John chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So here's the first thing. Before we go any farther, we just kind of got to break this down, all right? Now, I'm quite sure if I went into your house this morning, you wouldn't have sheep running around the living room. Maybe a little dog, a little poodle, a little cat or something. Maybe you got some goldfish in there in a little tank. But none of us have sheep running around. Now, maybe if you're into farming, you kind of understand. You might have cattle. Now, in Jesus' day, everybody understood the concept of cattle because that's what they did. They, they lived in more rural areas with farming and everyone lived off of that. They didn't have refrigerators like we do. They didn't have iPhones and iPads and all these different things. And so they had cattle and Jesus is trying to get them to understand something. And so he says, I know you understand what a shepherd is and what a sheep is. And so let me just give you a quick definition of a shepherd. I have it for you on the screen. A shepherd leads, guides, protects, and cares for sheep. Okay, in a nutshell, a shepherd, think about that, leads sheep. If you could think of all these little animals, the shepherd has his little staff and he leads the sheep. He guides them. He protects them from wolves, any, any danger, and he cares for them. And I got a picture on the screen of a little uh, sheep pen. So this is like worn down, 
rural, beat down, but sheep pen. So what you would see here is um, in this little pen or fold, you would have maybe 100 or 50 or whatever sheep in here, and that's the entrance, and there's a door right there. And normally the shepherd would stand by the door or sit by there guarding the sheep. And Jesus says, well, I'm the shepherd. But what he's talking about here is he says, there's also some other people who want to get in that pen. (laughs) We all know that enemy, uh, Satan. And he works through all types of people. And so Jesus says, I'm, a, I'm the shepherd, I'm the good shepherd, but there's also bad shepherds who want to get in there and tear those sheep apart. In fact, he doesn't really even call them bad shepherd. In verse 1, he calls them a thief and a robber. In verse 5, he calls them a stranger. And so Jesus says, these sheep, and he's comparing all of us in here to sheep. He said, my sheep, those who know me, they hear my voice. They don't listen to strangers, but that doesn't mean that Satan doesn't want to tear apart the people in this room. And if you think for one second that there's a second that goes by where Satan isn't trying to tear you down, he's trying to destroy you, he's not trying to rip apart your marriage, rip apart your life, leave you in bitterness, leave you in hurt, leave you in shame, Jesus is telling you, no, this is true. But don't worry, I'm the good shepherd and I'm here. And so Jesus says, my sheep, they hear my voice. They follow me. I talk, they listen. You know, today, tomorrow, in the year 2018, you will hear hundreds of thousands of voices this year. You will hear them from your cousins, your parents, movies you watch, commercials, your best friends, the news, all telling you what to think, how to act, what to do with your money, You see something on the news, you immediately think about what to do. Economy's crashing. They're saying, I should do this. This is what I'm going to go do. You hear it all the time. You hear things all over. And Jesus is saying to Calvary this morning, but are you hearing my voice? In the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the things, are you hearing my voice? And he says, I'm the good shepherd, but be careful. There's an enemy of your soul, the devil, and he works through so many people and situations, and he calls them thieves, robbers, and strangers. Be careful of where you're receiving your information from and who you're following this morning. You know, I have two boys. Um, My son Benjamin is four, and uh, my son Judah will be turning two. Um, I'm quite sure if your kids in children's ministry, they'll probably know them. They're probably pretty loud, bouncing off everything in there. But Ben is the age of four now, and so Judah's like still young enough to where like he doesn't really go from our sight. But, you know, at our church on Sunday, Ben is running around. He's running around with kids and all that stuff. And even when we go to the playground, we're, we're out. And now we're at the age where we got to kind of look at Ben and be like, hey, son, look, listen. If, if anyone um, calls you towards their car, you don't go. All right, son, if anyone calls you, and listen, if, if any stranger comes up to you and they offer you something, you don't know them, like, come tell mommy and daddy, come to me, don't, don't talk to strangers. We all get that, right? We, we, we say that to kids, we say it pretty easy. Hey, don't talk to strangers, don't talk to strangers. And then it's, it's, it's amazing to me how we understand that concept for little children physically, but yet we let anyone or anything uh, speak life and speak into our heart and minds. We get advice and counsel from anywhere. I mean, you got so many people who learned about marriage and love from The Bachelor than, than God's Word. And then you watch reality TV shows, and it's like, well, that's what marriage is supposed to look like. No, it's not. 
But it's so easy for us to allow everything to come into our hearts and minds and guide us and speak to us. And maybe some of us, our parents, speak a little bit too much into our life. And maybe you should do this. And when I was raising you and the kids, it was like, and it's so easy. And Jesus is like, be careful. Are you listening to my voice? Because Satan, always, Satan is always working through things here. I love 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 says this. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Be alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, what? Seeking someone to devour. Says your enemy, Satan, rolls around every day looking for people to tear apart. <laughs> looking for marriages to destroy. Looking for kids to uh, destroy. Looking for things to rip apart. Look for churches to rip apart. And, and, and Satan is always active. And God is saying this morning, well, I am the good shepherd and you need to listen for my voice and keep your eyes on me. Because the reality is there is always someone who's trying to get into this sheepfold. And if we're not careful, we can have our eyes on the wrong thing. So much pain has entered our lives from following the thief and believing his lies especially in 2017 for some of us. And Satan will use everything he can to lead your heart astray. Do you know Satan doesn't always use sinful things? That he sometimes uses good things as well? Here's a quote to jot down. Satan will offer you everything that is good if you are willing to put it in the place of Jesus. And you're like, well, I just can't wait to be married one day. And so like, Satan's like, oh, I love that. I'll get you the best looking man with the best paying job you could think of. I'll find you the most attractive woman you could think of. Just put it in the place of Jesus. Oh, you want the job promotion so bad? I don't have a problem with you getting the job promotion. The devil's like, I'll help you get the job promotion. I'll, I'll help you get the, the promotion and the raise if you just put that in front of Jesus. Satan will offer you anything good if you put it in the place of God. You want the ministry platform. You want people to see you. You want everything. You want, you want to be known. I'll give you all the attention you want if you just put it in the place of God. Remember when Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness? And the third time the devil said to Jesus, why don't you just, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you everything you can see. And he said the same thing to us. I'll, I'll give you whatever you want if you just remove Jesus from being first. And the reason why that's horrible is because that's idolatry. It's making something else a God. It's making my job a God. It's making my marriage a God. Maybe that's something we need to repent of today. Lord, forgive me. I have put my spouse and my kids in your seat. I've been guilty of that. But Jesus says to keep your eyes on him. Know that there's a battle going on. And so what do you think that the people in this setting, so Jesus is talking to this group of people. He just healed this, this man who was born blind, he's telling them the same things that I'm saying to you. What do you think their response is going to be? Let's look in verse 6 real quick. It says it right here. Verse 6, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. So Jesus is talking to a room like this. He's talking to a bunch of people about what I just said to you, and half the room is like, I don't really know what he's talking about. You know what he's talking about? No, I don't get him. Dude seems crazy. We don't even have sheep. You know, so it's like, so it's this, it's, it's this conflicting thing. And now what's crazy about that, if you think about it, what's crazy about that is Jesus is talking to uh, Jews and religious leaders. So he's talking to people who spends every week in the temple worshiping. And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't understand. This is too deep. That's scary because it shows 
that it's possible to be in Calvary every week. It's possible to be around church folks every week and still not know God or hear him or understand him. May it not be the case for us today. They are talking to God himself and they're like, I don't understand. And he's trying to tell them that there's a battle going on. There's a war going on for them and that he's the good shepherd. The most important decision of 2018 is answering who will you follow. There is a battle going on. Here's the next observation from this text. There is only one good shepherd. So Jesus says there's a battle going on, but now he tells them, okay, let me see if I can break it down for you like this. And then he goes to unpack it again, and he says that he's the only good shepherd. Look with me in verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, that phrase truly, truly means this is true. Please listen, y'all. So he says, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. How many times has Jesus said that so far? (laughs) I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Let's just stop there. So Jesus starts out here in verse 7, and he says a key phrase twice. He says, all right, all right, you don't understand what I'm talking about. You think it's too deep, or let me kind of simplify it for you. Then he goes and says in verse 7, I am the door of the sheep. Then he says it again in verse 9. I am the door of the sheep. Twice he says it, I am the door. You saw the picture on the screen that there's an entryway. And he says, I am the door. Now, what's interesting that Jesus compares himself to a door is a door gives you entry to something. We all walked into this room through doors, right? The doors gave us entryway into this worship center. And so doors give you entryway to something. They, whether it's going outside, they give you access to something. You walk through them to get to something. The question then is, Jesus says, I am the door. To what? What does Jesus give us access to? What does he give us entryway to? What what do you get by going through him? And notice he didn't say, I am one of many doors. He says, I am the door, the only door. So what do you get when you go through him? Well, he tells us in verse 9 right here, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, that's one, and will go in and out and find pasture, that's two. And the idea of finding pasture is the sheep that find some great pasture to be able to feed on and be satisfied. So Jesus says, if anyone comes to me, they will be A, saved, B, satisfied. Why is that so good for the people sitting here in Calvary this morning? I will tell you why. Because that is the need for every human being on this planet, is to have their souls forgiven and saved and their hearts satisfied. And Jesus said, if you come to me, the good shepherd, you will be forgiven of everything you ever done wrong, past, present, future, and you will finally be satisfied. Let me tell you how this goes. When you were created, you were created for God himself. He created you for himself. 
for you to find your highest joy, delight, love, and passion in God himself above everything. But this thing called sin got in the way. We inherited from Adam and Eve, and we also, all of us, Scripture says, has fallen short of God's glory. We've all said to God, well, forget you, screw you, I'm not doing that. We've all done that. If we haven't said it verbally, we for sure thought that. And so we've all rebelled against God to some degree, and every second that goes by, all of us gets one day, one second, one breath closer to meeting God face to face. Do you know what statistics say? Ten out of ten people die. (laughs) And so the reality is whether you care about what Pastor John is saying or not, you will meet God face to face and give an account. And the scripture tells us even if you did a million things good, you still have to answer for the one thing you did. And the one thing, the way God answers something, because he is so high and holy, it is completely separated for him from all of eternity. So here are you, someone who, is God, who God created for himself is now separated from God because of sin. And so how is, the, how is it possible now, how is it possible now, that God can make you right with him. And Jesus says it here. He gives us the example of how this is possible. How is salvation for our souls and satisfaction for our heart possible? Well, Jesus died to make it possible. You see it in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 15, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus said, I am going to the cross to die. So that everything you ever did wrong, past, present, and future, will be no more. And everything that is good about me, me being holy, blameless, and right, is now given to you. So when you stand in front of God, it's like it never happened. And now that sin is removed out of the way, you can now come to God and fully be satisfied in Him like you were created to be. That's why no matter how many iPhones come out, no matter how many, how new cars get or how much of a raise you get, once you get it, it's never enough. And you think, oh, if I just marry this person, everything will be perfect. And then you find out they're not perfect. And if I just finally get this job, everything will be great. And then you get six months into the job and you are not satisfied because our hearts were created for God and we walk around trying to fill it with everything else. And Jesus said, I am the door. If you come to me, You will be saved and forgiven, and you will be satisfied. My prayer for all of us here is that we wouldn't leave here without our souls, our life, and our being forgiven, washed clean, and that we wouldn't leave here satisfied. God forbid that you go into 2018 looking for satisfaction in everything but Jesus. Train wreck, ready to happen. Exhibit A on train wreck, train wreck, look at the person trying to fill everything in their hearts with everything except Jesus. Look at the person trying to make a man or a woman or their kid or their job or money or how they look in the mirror or gaining weight or losing weight. Look for that person. Look at that person trying to make everything else the center of their heart except Christ. Train wreck. They will not be satisfied by the end of the year. So Jesus says, come to me. That's what he means when he says abundant life in verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. When Jesus says, I have come that Calvary would have life, that the people are sitting here would have life and have it abundantly, he's not talking about having things. And he's not talking about having perfect health. The abundant life is having Jesus. 
And that's why his disciples were willing to leave everything for him. Because they find him as more treasurable, more great, more valuable, more precious than anything this world has to offer. If God is so great, and if he is so good, then what could he possibly give you greater than himself? Heaven is only great because God's there. You take God out of heaven, heaven is boring. What makes heaven good is that God is there. And if he is truly loving, and if he is truly good and great, and he wanted to give you the best and the highest, what could he give you that's better and higher than himself? And Jesus said in 2018, would you stop running everything else and run to me? And would you stop looking for it in everything else? So notice the contrast between the good shepherd and the thief. So that's what we see in the good shepherd, that Jesus is like, I am everything to you. I will be everything for you. Come to me. But then you got these bad shepherd and these thieves over here. And look what he says about them in verse 10. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came to have life. So I give life to your soul. I give forgiveness and I will satisfy your heart. You don't have to look for it in anything else now. You can be content finally. How many Christians are actually content? <laughs> you can finally be content with me. But then over here you have Satan. He says he seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. And many of, many of us can agree with that, that in maybe 2017, last year, Satan won a little bit. And some of you are sitting here and he stole a lot of peace from you. Gave you a lot of strife in your family. He stole a lot of your joy and gave you bitterness. And you don't have to let him do that. He stole time from you being in God's word and just gave you football to watch all day long. And you bit the bait. Why does 2018 have to be like that? Satan doesn't have to win, y'all. He's defeated. He doesn't, get any, he doesn't have any claim on us in this room. We don't have to give him another day of victory. We could choose a day to say, Satan, I'm not with that. I'm following the Lord. Why should Satan have your marriage, your kids, your family? Why? Why does he deserve to have the next generation? Why does he deserve to have your life? He does not deserve to have your life. And Jesus is saying, this is what he offers you no matter how good it looks. But if you listen to my voice, if you turn to me and you follow me, you will be cared for, you will be guided, you will be satisfied, you will be forgiven. And Jesus makes it clear that there's no other shepherd. He says, I am the door. And I am the good shepherd. I'm not one of many. We're not all going up the same mountain to the same place. No, there's only one way. Peter said there's only one name given under heaven by which we must be saved, Jesus Christ. There's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to heaven. No one gets there apart from me. And here he is offering. And so maybe in 2018, we could stop looking for salvation and satisfaction in other people and choose this day to follow Jesus, the most important decision this year. Here's the last thing about this. You have a choice to make. You have a choice to make. So look with me in verse 19. So in the beginning, remember in verse 6, Jesus is telling them everything I'm just telling you. And it says that they were like, I don't understand. I'm lost. Now we get to verse 19, and let's see what these same people are saying. Verse 19, there was a, again a division amongst the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and he's insane. Why listen to him? 
Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of a blind? So now the people understand. So now instead of saying, I don't understand, you got people who understand. They just don't know what to do. They got a choice to make. So half the people are like, see what it says here? Half the people said, he has a demon and he's insane. And maybe that's what some of your parents would think if you taught them about Jesus or some of your siblings or some of your coworkers. You talk to them about everything I just said. They said, man, that's crazy. That's stupid. That's so insane. You really believe some carpenter who claimed to be God 2,000 years ago is everything that Pastor John just said to you? And that he really can satisfy you like that? That's for sure what Satan is saying to you. And then the other side of people is like, no, no, but it's true. It's true. Who could do everything that he did? Look at all the things that have happened. Look at everything that has come true. Like, no. And so you got these people who are conflicted and they're torn. Half the room is like, no, he's crazy. Half the room is like, no, he's not. But they're battling to make the decision to follow him or not. And so here we are 2,000 years later, same message to a room full of people, same struggles, same problems, but still a decision to make. And so the question for you this morning is, will you choose to follow Jesus in 2018? And I want you to know that that's so vital for you because you saying yes and you saying no and doing nothing has massive implications for your life. Let me just give you two quick implications. If Jesus is really the good shepherd, if he's really laid down his life for you, and all he says is, turn away from your sins, and by faith, believe that I am who I am and that I died for you, and you will be saved, you will be forgiven. If that is true, that you have placed your faith in him and that you are forgiven, it means that you don't have to walk in guilt or shame anymore. It means that sitting in this room this morning, going to 2018, you don't have to, oh man, here I go, I lost it to the kids again. I am like the worst parent or whatever stuff you did in college or whatever sin you did last week or you looked at something again or you're hiding a bottle while you're drinking behind closed doors but trying to fix your face and look right and my anger always gets control of me and I feel so bad. I'm supposed to be a Christian. I'm supposed to be going to Calvary. It means you don't have to walk in any guilt or shame if you truly are forgiven, if you follow him. And he also says that you will be satisfied. And it means that if God is willing to satisfy you and meet your deepest needs and longing, it means you don't have to look for it in anything else in 2018. Yeah, still be active, still work, still try to be a good steward of your finances, but it means I don't have to look to a woman or a man or a job or money to meet the deepest means of my heart. Jesus can do that. And so my prayer is that you will choose to follow him and you follow him by leaning into his word, leaning into it, seeking him in prayer and being in with community and being in community with people who are pursuing that. You want to hear the voice of Jesus? Open his word and seek him. I want to follow Jesus, Pastor John. Well, open his word and pursue him. Pray to him. Be, be active in church. Be around other believers who are, who are pursuing him as well because I want to follow him. I'm tired of following TV and listening to my cousin. I pray that you make a choice this morning and you won't sit passive. And if you're sitting here like, well, I've tried that before and you choose to do nothing, I just want you to know to not make a choice is to make a choice. To choose not to do something is choosing to do something. Your choice is I'm not choosing to do anything with that. And I would just want to tell you that Satan would love for you to sit complacent and to be mediocre. Satan would love for you to be a mediocre Christian in 2018. Mediocre prayer life, same thing. Struggle to read God's word every day. Struggle to pray every day. Still wrestling with the same thing every day. Mediocre, mediocre, mediocre. He would love for you to be mediocre. 
Well, we don't have to be. We could choose a day. I will not be mediocre. I am not perfect, but I am forgiven. And I will follow Christ. And so as we close, I just want to leave you with two thoughts, two, maybe two applications for Monday. The reality is you're going to leave this room in a few minutes. And the problems that you walked in here with, the concerns you walked in here with, the burdens you walked in here with may still be there, but you don't have to see them the same way. And so I want to give you two things maybe you could think about that you can apply right now that could be helpful for this week. Here's the first thing. Would you jot this down if you have a pen or just text it to yourself real quick? I challenge you personally to do these two things. Here's the first thing. I will not go a day this week without adequate time in the Word of God and prayer. I know it's busy. I know the kids are crazy. I know your schedule's like that. Some of you are in college, you got homework to do, but I will tell you this. Things we love, we make time for. If you got to go to the doctor, you will do whatever you got to do to get to the doctor. If you want to watch the game, you'll DVR it. You'll do whatever you got to do to watch the game or your show. If you want to see This Is Us and you want to catch up on the last episode, you'll make time for it. (laughs) And I want to challenge you. Would you say, I will make time, adequate time, to read God's Word. I'm going to read through John. We're going through I Am. I'm going to read through John chapter 10 this week, and I'm going to highlight what God is speaking to me about. I'm going to spend some time praying and carrying my burdens to the Lord every day this week. That's something practical. And here's the second thing. This is a saying we have in our own Kelly household. I will not believe or follow the lies of the enemy. We have a saying that says it's not true. And so when Satan says to you this week, you are a horrible parent. You know, you're a hypocrite. You will say, no, it's not true. God doesn't love you. You're not forgiven. Nope, it's not true. Because I know what God's word says to me. So I think if we go into 2018 saying, Lord, I will follow you. I'm going to lean into Calvary. I'm a, every day this week, I'm going to spend time in your word and prayer. And I will not believe any lie that the enemy is telling me will be A-OK going to 2018. Amen? And let me pray God's blessings over you. Would you bow your heads in prayer? God, I know that many of us sitting here, Lord, have um, serious problems, serious weight, serious concerns. God, I pray for every man, woman, and child sitting here, Lord, that they would not go into 2018 being mediocre. That they wouldn't go into 2018 putting everything else in front of you. Lord, you said in your word, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? And so what good is it, Lord, if we get the job and if we have perfect health and if everything works out with our bills and our finances and the doctor comes back with a good report? What if all these things are great, but then we don't have you? God, would would you satisfy us with your love today? And would you help us to keep our eyes on you in spite of all the pain, in spite of all the tears, in spite of all the drama? Lord, we don't know what 2018 is going to bring our way. But we know if we are with you, we are okay. And so I pray your blessings now over these people in this room, that they would follow you in 2018 wholeheartedly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Calvary, for having me.